Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we are uh, talking about extraordinary courage, extraordinary courage. And we've been looking at how God can take ordinary people and do something extraordinary with them. And this has been our key scripture, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask, think according to the power that is within us. You know, guys, can I have a little more light on, on the stage for me, please? Um, I, I, I can't see my notes, and I'd appreciate that. Thank you so much. Oh, wow, I can see you too. Wow, you really look good. Wow. All right. I'm glad I'm able to see you. You got up, you showered, and you did all that, and I can smell some of you. Wow, I smell good too. Woohoo! Man, I think we have a, a great com, uh, congregation this morning. Can we read this scripture together? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Come on, let's do it. One, two, three. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, or think according to the power that works in us. I like to look up words because in the, in the Bible, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but the New Testament was written in Greek. And I just find this scripture so amazingly, I find this scripture so amazing because he uses the word exceedingly and then abundantly. And the word abundantly in the Greek actually means more than necessary. More than necessary, above ordinary, extraordinary. So God can do extraordinary things in our lives. And this scripture is telling me that as a child of God, it's telling us as a child of God, we don't have to settle for an ordinary life. You know what? I can have an extraordinary life. You and I as children of God can have an extraordinary marriage. Come on, you didn't get married to have an ordinary marriage. You got married to have extraordinary marriage. You know what? None of us, none of us want ordinary kids. I think even as parents, we want our kids to be extraordinary. How do I know that? Have you ever talked to a parent when someone walks up? to you and they says, do you have kids? And it's almost like you're waiting for someone to ask you if you have kids because when they say, do you have kids? You're like, yes, I have a kid. Woo! And it is not an ordinary child. His name is Joshy. And you want to see a picture of Joshy? And you're like, sure. I'll see a picture of Joshy. That's when it gets a little awkward because they pull out their phone. And it used to be someone would just pull out their wallet and it would just be, you know, one of those uh, wallet pics that you could just look at one picture of their kid. But no, not today. Today what they do is they pull out their phone and they say, scroll through this. Scroll through these 3,500 pictures of Joshy. Because my child is not ordinary. You're laughing because you know it's true. 
And whether you like it or not, you're going to hear about Joshi. You're going to hear about how extraordinary Joshi is. Well, how old is Joshi? What grade? Oh, Joshi is in the second grade. But you know what? Joshi wakes up every morning for school, makes his own bed, goes into the kitchen, makes the whole family breakfast. And he's in the second grade. He dresses himself, picks out his own clothes, and Joshi drives himself to school. And because he's in the second grade, we ask him to wear a helmet. But he probably doesn't need it anyway. Because he's extraordinary. Why are we wanting our kids to be extraordinary? You know why? You get that from God. Because that's the way God feels about you. That's the way God, when he thinks about you, he didn't just create something ordinary. He wanted your life to be extraordinary. And you get that from God because he has that same thought process about you. But you know what? When we look at our lives, there's a lot of things that can discourage us from being who God wants us to be and living that extraordinary life. And you know what? We can actually, even in all that, get discouraged and lose a sense of our identity. And today I want to talk about having an extraordinary courage. Turn to Judges chapter 6 this morning. If you brought your Bibles, Judges chapter 6. And I want to talk about how God wants us to be and have an extraordinary courage. You know, this week and last week, we had a guest speaker last week, but in the last two weeks, I just really felt impressed upon my heart that there would be some people today that you're discouraged. Maybe people listening to the podcast today and you're just discouraged. But I want you to know something. It takes courage to live an extraordinary life. Judges chapter 6 verse 11. Let me give you a little history. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that God had delivered his people. He used a man by the name of Moses to deliver his people from Egypt. Remember, Moses is that guy that looks like Charlton Heston. I mean, handsome, suntanned beard. I mean, that is Moses, and God used him in the big Red Sea, and they walked across, and then Moses died, and God raised up another leader. His name was Joshua, and uh, Joshua, uh, he became Israel's leader. And the book of Judges that we're about to read, it takes place after Joshua dies. So Joshua has died, and then uh, there's a leadership vacuum. And this scripture, Judges 17, uh, 6, it's really a key statement in the book of Judges. It describes this whole book. It says this. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Wow. There was a leadership vacuum. And so the book of Judges about how God raised up these people. And you may have heard of Deborah. He raised up Samson. And today, and there was others, but today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Gideon. And we're going to talk about courage today as we look at Gideon. And Gideon, his story takes place when the children of Israel were again being oppressed by an enemy. They were being oppressed by a group called the Midianites. And the the Israelites were being oppressed because they did wrong in God's sight. They were being oppressed because they were actually worshiping other gods. 
And because they were worshiping other gods, it was like God just took his hand off of them. And they, he says, okay, if you want to worship other gods, then you're going to be subject to those other gods. And so they were living in oppression. And you know what happened? Finally, somebody got tired of living in oppression and they began to pray. And can I just encourage you today, prayer works. Sometimes when we're going through things, we forget that we need to pray. And prayer works. And because of that prayer, God is about to summon a judge. God is about to summon a hero, a guy that's going to stand up and have courage and lead his people. Did you find Judges chapter 6, verse 11? It says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the Timnath tree, which was in Oprah. Wow, Oprah's been around for a long time. Come on, somebody. Which is in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abzurite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you. Come on, just turn to your neighbor real quick and say, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Look at, listen to this. You mighty man of valor. Do we have that on the screen? Do we have these scriptures on the screen? If you can put that up there. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I want to look at today how God encourages the discouraged. Because you may find yourself in a place either today, and let me just encourage you, when you come to church Take notes, take notes, write it down. Because you know what I have found? Maybe today you may not be discouraged, but here's what I found. If you'll take notes when you come to church, you may be in a conversation with somebody and they are discouraged. And you know what you can do? You can take out your notes from the message and say, hey, you know what? Man, our pastor preached a great message on in being encouraged. And you know what? You can walk people through that. That's why I encourage you. And not only that, you may find in a couple months you're going through something and it's good to have a little notebook of the notes. But let's look today how God encourages the discouraged. You know, Gideon uh, is going to be the man. Gideon is going to be the guy that's going to stand up. He is going to be the hero, and he's going to be empowered by God to do an amazing, amazing work. But look where we find Gideon. We find Gideon, and what he's doing is he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, this is not where you're supposed to be threshing wheat. Usually when you thresh wheat, you go up maybe on a hill and you use the wind. And what happens when you thresh wheat is the wind would help separate the wheat from the useless outer shell that's called the chaff. And so he's actually hiding out. We find the hero of this story hiding. He's discouraged. And the reason why he's hiding he has a lot of fear in his life. They're being oppressed by the Midianites. And here's what I want to do. I want to tell you today five, 
five ways discouragement works. And then I'm going to show you how God encourages the discouraged. And we're going to look at Gideon's life. Look at five ways that discouragement works. This is the process. And you'll see this in Gideon's life. And maybe you will find in these five, you may be in one part of this process. But how many of you know if we can understand the process, we can stop discouragement in its tracks. Because if we would be honest today, all of us get discouraged. Let me say that again. All of us get discouraged at times in our lives. And so let's look. Here's number one. Discouragement comes to get you to be disheartened. Disheartened. See, courage has everything to do with your heart. It has everything to do with your heart. And usually discouragement comes in when you are overwhelmed by a circumstance or a situation that you feel is outside of your control. Now, a lot of times we'll make a mistake or we'll do something and we can kind of amend it. We can kind of be the ones that help it through and, uh, and make it better. But there are times in life when we go through things where it is totally out of our control. And it's in those times when it's beyond our control that we get overwhelmed. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Just overwhelmed. You know, you don't know what to do. And here's what happens. You start to get disheartened because it's way beyond your control. Look, this is what's happening to Gideon. Look at verse 13. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us. Notice he uses that, all this. There's so much. We've been so oppressed. It's affected our finances. It has affected our identity. It's affected who we are. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel disheartened because there's so many things going on? This is exactly how Gideon feels. And you know what? What's interesting is that he's asking where God is but in truth, the answer to this is because it was because that the children of Israel were worshiping other gods. The problem wasn't God. The problem was themselves. Come on, somebody. And here's number two. After you get disheartened, here's another process. Here's the process of discouragement. After you get discouraged or disheartened, number two, you get distressed. You feel like you can't change the situation, so it affects your confidence. It affects your decision-making processes. It affects your courage. You feel like you can't stand up. You feel like you can't make the right decision. And then after you get disheartened, after you get distressed, here's number three, you get disillusioned. You get disillusioned. Look at verse 13. Look, this is happening to Gideon. And listen to his response. He's talking he says, and where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now, listen to these words, the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Listen, my church family, God did not abandon his people. His people had abandoned God. And so what had happened here is they are experiencing the results of their wrong choices. But you know what? Gideon doesn't get it. Gideon's going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. 
He's disillusioned. He doesn't understand God. What, what's going on and all of this. And let me just encourage you because as a pastor, I hear this so many times. And I think we don't understand because we don't understand we get disillusioned. All right. I hear people say, well, why didn't God just stop that person? Can I tell you why? Because God gave that person a free will. And it's one thing that God will never take back from you is a free will. And here's what God desires from us. He wants us to want to want him. He wants us to desire to desire him. And he'll help us along the way. We can pray for people. God will inspire people. I pray all the time that God will send labors into people's past to encourage them. My church family, but at the end of the day, it's still their decision. God's not going to go back on his word and zap the human race and take out all of free will. You know why? Because then we would be nothing but robots. We would be nothing but puppets. Listen, God didn't want a bunch of puppets. God wanted children. God wanted children that would love him because they wanted to love him. Do you understand that this morning? And I hear that all the time. People may be going through a divorce and they just say, well, I just don't know why God wouldn't just change my life. Listen, God wants to, but at the end of the day, hey, she's got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision. And as much as we want to change people, only God can truly inspire people to change. I think it's one of the hardest things about being a pastor because sometimes I just want to fix people. I've spent hours with people in counseling, hours, and I just want to say, don't you see? Come on. And I've had people look directly in my face and say, I'm not going to do that. And you know what? The other person, whoa, excuse me, the other person in the room is disheartened. But you know what? I, I always get this. It's like God's responsible for everything. My church family, you have a part to play in this. Let me say that again. You have a part to play in this. You have a part. You have a decision. And it's better when we say yes, but God didn't abandon his people. And what's funny is, there's an angel standing right in front of Gideon. And many scholars believe, many commentaries believe, and you'll see it because it says the Lord says that this is a pre-incarnate Jesus. This is a special appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. It doesn't just happen here. It happens in other places in the Old Testament. So it's interesting that he says this to the angel or to the Lord, and he says, you have abandoned us. And Jesus is like, I'm right here. But when disillusionment sets in, sometimes you don't know who's on your side. And Jesus has been there all along. How many of you know the Bible says he never leaves us and he never forsakes us? But here's my question to you. Have you forsaken him? Have you been the one that walks away? Because you know what? He's always right there. And when disillusionment sets in, here's what happens. We start to think we're alone. We start to think that we're alone. You begin to think, you know what? Nothing can change. And yet there is the very presence of God. And here's number four. After disillusionment sets in, then we get doubtful. Doubtful. Gideon's like, where's all the miracles? I remember, I remember when we came out of Egypt. I remember when God delivered his people. I remember all that. But where is all the miracles? And again, I don't know about you, but I think an angel standing in front of me 
is a miracle. The very presence of God in front of me is a miracle. But see, here's what happens when we get discouraged, we get doubtful. And can I just remind you of something that I do, just like we talked about today, being grateful. When you're looking around and maybe the miracle hasn't happened yet, here's what I love to do. I love to remember all of the miracles that God has done in my life. And I know that if he has done miracles, he can do it again in my life. But sometimes we need to remind ourselves of what God has already done. Can we just go here for a moment? Number one, God has saved your soul. Come on, somebody. You know you. Some of you got a pass. Come on, you remember the days in the club when you were doing the Macarena? Come on, somebody. Do, 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 do. Remember? You were out partying, right? And what I see this morning as I look out at our church, I see a bunch of miracles. Because some of you today would never thought you'd be sitting in a church listening to this cray-cray preacher talking about being extraordinary. And look where you are now. Look what God has done. Come on, somebody. A lot of times we get doubtful because things don't happen in our timing. And there is the presence of Jesus. It, it, he's appearing to Gideon. That's a miracle. Can I ask you a question? How many of you in here would say that at least once in your life, God has shown himself real in your life? Can I see your hands? God is, look, look at all the hands. God has shown himself. And maybe you're here today and you're coming back to church and you're just like, man, I've never seen God be real. Well, you know what? He's been real to all these people and he loves you just the same and he wants to be real in your life. But you know what? You got to get the doubt out and you have to have some faith. But here's number five. We see this progression of discouragement. Not only do you get doubtful, but number five, you start to get down on yourself. You start to get down on yourself. Here's what happens. It starts to affect your identity. It starts to affect who you are. You're so discouraged. You have a healthy, an unhealthy view of you. You get so discouraged, you forget who you are in Christ you have a poor self-image. You have a poor sense of self-worth. And it's all because you're discouraged. Not encouraged, but discouraged. And you know what has happened now? These obstacles, these things have stripped away your confidence. You know, here's what happens. Is we allow what's going on around us to get in us. Let me say that again. We, we allow what's going on around us to get in us. My church family, we are in the world, but we are not of this world. But we cannot let the world penetrate our hearts. You know, I just, I, I'm still kind of laughing today. And please, God's working on me because I have a sick sense of humor. And God has had to really work on my sense of humor. I love to laugh. I will make myself laugh. It's free entertainment. And you know what? I don't even get offended. Come on, somebody. So I can make fun of me instead of making fun of you. I'll make fun of me because I won't get offended. But I was thinking about this. We're six months into the new president. And I just think back six months ago. And people were going crazy. Like Chicken Little, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. 
you know, and the Hillary people, the Bernie Sanders people, the Trump people. And I'm, I mean, even as of today, I was kind of laughing. This has got so out of hand that there's families today that are still not talking to each other because of politics. You know what happens? You have allowed that to get in you. You know what? Can I just say, here's what I do all the time. I vote, number one, because I have a choice. Number two, I pray for those in leadership. But you know what? At the end of the day, my trust is not in the president of the United States. It doesn't matter who it is. My trust is in God. Come on, somebody. And I'm not going to fight over what you or what you don't like. Because you know what? That person's president, and people went all out. I mean, again, I, I, I was talking to some people. They're still not families or can't even sit down and have dinner because of who the president is. I'm like, there is something wrong. And you know what? If you're discouraged over something small like that, you allow that to get inside of you. And, it, and I just pray for those of you who, you know, are not, well, I just didn't vote for him. You got like three and a half more years. You better get over yourself because you're going to be discouraged. And all my point is, is that we allow this stuff to get inside us. We go to work and we're mad. We're mad on the freeway. Some of you still have the other bumper sticker on your car because you want to know, I didn't vote for this person. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're not praying for the person that's in the uh, president, then you know what? You're going to even be more discouraged because it doesn't matter who the president is, they need God. They need God. But I'm just like, man, you know, the person who's been affected the most is you. You know why? And I'm just using it as an example. We let that get inside of us and it ruins relationships. And this is what happens when you get discouraged, right? And then we just have this view of ourselves. And this is when people start to allow their, their uh, sickness to define them. We allow our circumstance that, to determine our identity. Hi, my name's John and I'm divorced. I've had people in five minutes that I talk with them, the first thing they do is they start to tell me about what, well, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm divorced. Hey, I didn't ask if you were divorced. I want to know you. But you know what happens? In their identity, it has so affected them that they think their life is predicated on one decision or one bad decision that was made. Can I just tell you your life is bigger than one decision or one mistake? Just because you have failed doesn't mean you are a failure. Just because you have made a mistake mistake doesn't make you a mistake. We all make mistakes and we all need the grace of God. But here's what happens is we can allow those things to start to define who we are. Hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm divorced. I've talked to people and in three minutes they say, hi, I'm Mary and I'm a diabetic. Hey, listen, I care about you. But you know what? Something happens when our identity starts to shift that we start to define ourselves by a sickness. And you know what that tells me? That's where our focus starts to happen. We start to focus on it because we're disillusioned, right? We're distressed. We've lost heart. And you know what we need, my church family? We need courage. We need courage to be able to stand up and be who God has called us to be. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? Listen to how down Gideon is. Listen if you can hear 
how he feels about himself. Listen to what he says to this angel in Judges 6.14. It says this, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, here's Gideon, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Listen to these words. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. This is a guy who has thought this through. Here is a guy who has given two or three reasons why he can't be a champion, why he can't overcome. I'm the least. I'm the weakest. I'm a part of, <laughs> I'm a part of the weakest clan. I don't even choose my friends right. I hang out with the wimpy group. I don't hang out with the courageous people. We are the cowards. And you probably, I gravitate towards that group because I'm just the least. You know what? Does this sound like a guy who has confidence? Does this sound like a guy who has courage? And here's the reality, my church family. God did care about his people getting free. You know why? Because God showed up when someone chose to pray. When they prayed, the angel showed up to Gideon. And you know what I love about this story? It's look who God's calling. He's calling somebody who doesn't have any confidence. He's calling somebody who doesn't have any courage. He calls somebody who he sees is discouraged. And this is what I love. And God shows up because he doesn't want to leave Gideon in his discouragement. God shows up to us today to encourage you because he sees you in your discouragement, but he shows up to encourage you. That's why he shows up. And he's encouraging a discouraged person. And God comes to give you encouragement for discouragement. You know what, my church family? Courage counts. Courage counts. I need courage. You need courage. I need courage to do what's right as a father. Dad, you need to be courageous. Dad, you need to be stand up for your family and be courageous. Your kids need to be able to see dad's courageous. Mom, you need to be a woman of courage. We need courage to help us resist temptation. Come on, somebody. We need courage to help make the right decisions at work when other people are not doing it and it comes down to you. We need courage courage. See, if I believe, uh, see, I believe today that some of you here today, then you need to take a major step in the area of courage because we all have to make courageous decisions. Can I ask you a question? If you had a bunch of courage, what would you do? See, that's a lot of times how I answer the question. I don't look at myself and go, yeah, I think, man, if I had courage, I'd make this decision. And I make the decision because in reality, there's always going to be fear. You, you know what courage is? Courage is making a decision even though you feel fear. Courage is having fear, but still making the decision anyway. Someone said, in truth, there's no, if there's no fear, if there's no intimidation, that there would be no need for courage. So let's look at courage. Where does it come from? 
I really believe that today this is going to bless you. Because I just looked at what God did, this angel. What did he do for Gideon that would cause Gideon to rise up? How many of you know you're never going to rise up on the outside until you rise up on the inside? And what did God do to this guy who has a bad identity, doesn't have any confidence, and is totally discouraged? And let me just give you today, in the time that we have together, three ways that we can have courage. And this actually goes together. Here's number one. We have to rely on God's presence. On his presence. Look at verse 16, Judges chapter 6, verse 16. Are you glad you came to church this morning? It says, and the Lord said to him, surely, Gideon, I'm with you. Surely, Phil, I'm with you. Surely, Bobby, I'm with you. Surely, Art, I am with you. See, here's what happens in my church family. We get discouraged when we lose sight of the presence of God in our life. Isn't that what get? well, God, you abandoned us. Where are you? And here God was right there, right there ready. This is why church, this is why my church family, worship is so important. Worship at the beginning of our, our, of our service is not just a time like, okay, cool, they end worship at 10, you know, about 10, 15. I, I, can, I can slip in at 10, 15. Do you know you need worship in your life? You know why? Because worship, what it does is it gives you that God consciousness again, an awareness of his presence. See, when we worship, it's not that we're making God bigger. God can't get any bigger. But here's what happens. When we come in and we worship him, God gets bigger in our lives. He, when we magnify him, guess what? He's big and our problems are small. Do you know that throughout the week, that's why we go out of here, man, we feel charged. Why? Because we're reminded of all that God can do. We have an unstoppable God, right? I mean, nothing is impossible. Why? We're thinking about that. We're engaged with that. And give it Monday morning. God, where are you? I'm tired. It's Monday. Right? And you know what? I've learned some people worship their problems. What do I mean by that? Whenever you magnify anything over God, you worship it. I know people that talk more about their problems than they do the very presence of God in their life. Oh, this and oh, that and blah. And they build up their problems, build it up. Problems are so big. And in their eyes, God is this big. But here's what worship does. You start relying on the presence of God. You start magnifying him. And you know what? It makes you realize you have a big God and the problems are small. Are you here, still here this morning? What do you talk about? Are you always talking about your problems? Are you always talking about? Listen, that's because that's what you worship. You will very rarely hear me talk about problems. Not that I don't have any. I have a lot. But you know one of the things that I've learned? I have to rely on the presence of God. That is what encourages me. And I'm going to show you how this works. Here's number two. This is the way courage works. We need to remember God's promise. God sees Gideon. He's hiding out. And look what God says to him. Gideon, 
You're a mighty man of valor, Gideon. Huh, really? He's hiding out? He's discouraged? Doesn't even know where God is in his life? And look what God does. He says, you are a mighty man of valor. Gideon even goes, who, me? God, you're talking to me? I'm the least. I'm, I, I'm the weakest. But this is what you need to know about God. God always speaks what he sees over your life. God sees that you're discouraged, but he's going to speak encouragement to your discouragement. Now, let me just give you a little pause here. Because I know people who like to be discouraged. They love it for attention. They're always discouraged. Always. Oh, like, how are you doing? You doing better? No, I'm just not. I'm just not. Can I pray with you? We prayed last week. They love it. They just love it. And at some point, we just got to pray for you. Long distance. Love you. But today's message for people who, who don't want to be discouraged and want to get out of discouragement because you need to understand when God comes to you, he wants to get you out of the place that you are. He wants to give you courage for your discouragement. He wants to see you move forward. And so here's what happens. God speaks what he sees. And so when we rely on his presence in our lives and we start to believe his promises, we can become what God says we are to become. Gideon would become a mighty man of valor. But you know what? He didn't look like it. He wasn't experiencing it. But God gives him a promise. You're a mighty man of God. And you know what he also says? He tells Gideon, you will defeat the Midianites. Can I encourage you today? God is speaking over you. You are a child of God. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. You will make it through victorious. Come on, somebody. Well, I don't feel like a warrior. Tell your feelings to shut up. Come on, my feelings lie to me all the time. Yesterday, my feelings told me that I was skinny. Come on, somebody. Your feelings up and down. Tell your feelings, feelings, you will line up with the word of God. You may feel wimpy, you may feel down, but according to the word of God, you are an overcomer. And see, God is an expert at making weak people strong. Oh, let me say that again because it just felt good. God is an expert at making weak people strong. And here's how he does it. He does it with his presence, and he does it with his promises. His presence and his promise. He shows up in Gideon's life. Ladies and gentlemen, God is showing up in your life today. He's showing up. And then what he does to Gideon, he speaks. He speaks encouraging words. Words encourage or discourage. That's why it's important that you hang around with people who are speaking God's word, speaking encouragement over your life. You are going to make it. Well, honey, you know I'm going to make it because God says you're going to make it. Because God wants extraordinary kids. God wants people who are going to take his word and say, yes, that's it. Look at Judges 6, verse 16. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. You will defeat the Midianites as one man, one person with courage, 
is a majority. Is a majority. And today as we talk about courage, Gideon's going to need the courage to rise up. You're going to need the courage. And so many times in the Bible, you see it a lot in the Old Testament. God told Joshua four times in one chapter. He said this in Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed for the Lord. Here it is. Look, watch. For the Lord, your God, is with you. Do not be afraid because you have my presence. But I'd looked at this, and I've read this so many times, and I never understood that God had a purpose in putting be strong and being courageous together. And you will find them in the Bible. Be strong. Be courageous. They're always put together. Be strong and be courageous. And I said, as I studied this this week, I was like, God, so there's something here. What is it? Why are you saying be strong and be courageous? So I dug and I got out my Greek dictionary and I said, I need to look up the word strong and I need to look up the word courageous. And then it all made sense because in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, which the Old Testament was written in, listen to this definition of the word strong. It says, be strong. Strong in the Hebrew means this, to bind. Would everybody say that with me? Say, to bind. To make firm. To confirm. So right here, this strength is a strength that comes from binding ourselves to something. In other words, let me say it this way in our modern age. This is a strength that comes dependent on what you are connected to. When I, have you ever lost connection from your cell phone? You can have this amazing cell phone. It can do all of the things, but if you don't have Wi-Fi and it says no service, there ain't nothing in happening, baby. There ain't, then there's no connection. And the reality of it is, is that to be strong, we have to be connected to his presence and his promise. But look at the word courage. The word courage in Hebrew means this, to be strong, brave, and bold. So watch this. Courage is the result of binding myself together to the strength of God. So this all happens on the inside of us. My heart is holding on to God's strength. And see, if we will allow God's strength to revive our hearts, we will demonstrate courage. Courage is simply this. Courage is a result of God's strength working in our lives. But here's the question I have. Are you connected? God is here. His presence is here. His promises have been given. But I found this very interesting because in Joshua 1.9, it says this. Have I not commanded you, be strong, be of good cheer, do not be afraid. Listen to this. Do not be dismayed. One translation says, be discouraged. And I thought, okay, that word dismayed, we don't really use that word a lot. What does that even mean? You know what dismayed means? Dismayed means broken. So strength means to bind. Dismayed means to break. 
So if when I am connected to his presence, connected to God, you know what? The result of that is courage because his strength is flowing through me. But when I get discouraged, it's because there's a connection that is broken. Isn't it amazing that when things come our way, what is the first thing that people do? A majority of people disconnect from the promises and they disconnect from church and his presence. And my church family, God has always been there. And some of us are discouraged because we need to work on that connection with him. Because the result of his strength is courage, courage working in our lives. For the Lord God is with you for wherever you go. So when I'm faced with these huge obstacles and circumstances, you know what I need to do? I need to prioritize what? The presence of God. You know what? A lot of times now, even driving to wherever I'm driving, I'm always listening to worship. You know why I'm listening to worship? Because worship reminds me of the presence of God. Worship reminds me that I need to prioritize his presence. It reminds me that even though I'm driving alone, I'm not driving alone. I'm allowing him to move my heart and to stir me. I listen to preaching a lot during the week. You know why? It reminds me of his promises. Because that's where the courage comes from. Focus on his promises. I'm binding myself together with his strength. And courage is a result of the strength of God in your life. And today as we close, look at Judges chapter 6, 14. I love what God says to Gideon. He says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? It's interesting that God tells him, go in this might of yours because it has always been God's promise. It's always been God's way for his strength to be connected to your strength and your strength to be connected to his strength. That his strength be your strength. You know what that means? I don't have to face these problems alone. I don't have to be overwhelmed. You know what? I may not know what to do right now, and circumstances look huge, but you know what? Thank God I am not alone. I can't do this in my own strength, but this isn't in my own strength. This is in the strength of God. And you know what the result is? Courage, boldness, being brave. Come on, somebody. And we stand up. God never wanted Gideon to fight this battle alone. God doesn't want you to fight this battle alone. But you know what? If you allow the connection to break, a lot of times we start fighting these in our own strength. We start going after it in our own strength. And you know what? If you do it in your own strength, you're not going to win. You've got to be bound to his presence, bound to his promises. And here's number three as we close. We rely on his presence. We remember his promise. And here's number three. We trust in God's plan. When I prioritize God's presence, when I am relying and trusting in his promises, you know what? God's going to reveal the plan that I need to take to overcome. I think this is so funny because the Lord appears and still Gideon, if you read the story, I don't have time to go through it all today. Gideon still wants a sign. 
Gideon's still like, all right, God, if you're going to do, and, he, and he, he, he puts out these fleeces. And you know what I love about God? God is just so patient. God just doesn't blow Gideon off. God's so patient with Gideon. And listen, Gideon ends up inspiring thousands of people to stand up. And can I just tell you, courage is always contagious. Mom, dad, your courage is contagious for your kids. Your courage and our courage as a church is contagious to our community. Come on, somebody. And Gideon's courage is contagious. He inspires thousands. And you know what God says? Uh-uh, Gideon. I don't need thousands. Let's whittle the army down to about 300 guys. You know why God did that? God wanted Gideon to know that it wasn't in Gideon's strength, but it was in God's strength through Gideon that the battle would be won. And you know what the plan was? They got a pitcher, 300 guys. They got a torch, and they got a trumpet. A pitcher, not a machete, not an M16, not a tank. A pitcher, a torch, and a trumpet. And they spread out around the Midianites. They broke the pitchers, and the Midianites were like, there's thousands of people here. This army has thousands. They broke the pitcher. They blew the trumpets. And when they saw all of the different torches, the Midianites were defeated. Isn't that funny how God's plan was a pitcher, a torch, and a trumpet? I would have never put that together. And why do I say that to you today? Because God's plan is always the best plan. And when you rely on his presence and trust his promises, there is a way out. And let me just tell you this morning, we need to be strong and courageous. Would you say that with me? Say, I am strong and I am courageous. Come on, let's say it two more times. I am strong and I am courageous. All right, and this last one, I really want you to say it like you are. Not like, I'm strong and I am courageous. Okay, are you ready? Come on, say it like you're strong. And actually, let's do this. Let's stand up as we end and uh, let's let the devil know who we are, that we are strong in God's strength and we are courageous. Some of us need to shake off this identity and this self-worth thing that we're going through and this poor image that we have of ourselves and today connect to God's strength. Come on, can we say it? Say, I am strong and I am courageous. Just one more time. I am strong. And I am courageous. Come on, let's give him a great round of applause this morning. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.